Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking state of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Daniele returns from Italy after the passing of his father as we discuss phone calls that bring you home, time with our fathers stolen from our kids, how even the best parents can drop blessings and curses placed with good intentions into our children's lives, getting used to the new normal as the universe gently winks at us to find the truest fact is that while no one seems to be reporting back from the other side, there seems to be a fair amount of waving. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine, actually an extremely awesome episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 190. Daniele's back from his visit Back to Italy, definitely unexpected and truly sad. Yep. But here the weather is fine and dandy, and without question, my condolences to your whole family. And thank I think you, you my saw man. a lot of outpouring on the internet. But yeah, people have been very sweet for sure. Since I feel weird doing, you know, it's such an emotional episode. I'm just gonna go into another mental space to take care in like 72 seconds of the commercial stuff and. Thank you, sponsor, that kind of thing. Or it could just be sponsor-free. Yeah, but, you know, there are people who have donated. Let's just, Those folks. I'll just go in, switch to a different mental space for the next two minutes, right. and then we get back to business. Hat on again, everybody. Here we go. Yes. No, I want to say that. I mean, these people have been cool to us. You know, thank you to Shore Design for always sending us the goods and our T-shirt, Grassland Beef. I just placed an order, so I'll get you mm. the goods for you. Those guys are amazing. Check them out if you are interested in such thing. Zebra Athletics, who provided us with mats, which now I'm going to clean up the garage and set up my home dojo thanks to Zebra Athletics. That's always super sweet stuff. Of course, among the super sweet are the people whose names I'm going to fuck up now who have uh, gently supported us over the last few weeks. Let the pottering begin. Here we go. We got... Clayton Payne, Ross Cranham, Frederick Hahn, Nick Zunick, Lisa Robles, Gregory Richmond, Thomas Robinson, Aistis Giusca, Nicola Togni, Thomas Prestige, uh, Samuele Rudelli, Froggy Style Productions, Jim D'Amico, Edward Fedelm, Feldman, and Lane Raper. Thank Some you. New names. Yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. You guys are awesome. If you want to join these sweet folks, please paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. Again, paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. Or another way to support the show is if you're going to shop on Amazon, click the link dbamazing.com. Again, that's dbamazing.com. And then whatever you put in the cart and buy right then and there. 
we will get a little cut of it without you having to pay an extra dime, which is a very sweet concept. I invite everybody to get some Kiva cards for those um, crappy nephews and nieces that need to learn some lessons about helping other people out in the world. $25, loan it, get paid back, loan again, kiva.org, and you can join Team Drunken Dallas. Over 5,000 loans and over, we're approaching $170,000 in loans, which is just nuts. That's quite Thanks all you folks for sure. Now, having said that, we are going to open, first thing we're going to have right after our intro, break, music, whatever, Isabella did, um, after my father died, she recorded this song. Now, this is a song that my dad loved a lot. It's a song that, um, it's kind of a classic, and then it became, uh, hotly enough, it became a soccer song. Uh, Liverpool fans made it their thing and I remember my dad watching English soccer because he always enjoys sport, particularly soccer and you know the moment where Liverpool fans as a whole stadium would sing this together was something that he always loved a lot he found it very moving so Isabella recorded an a cappella version of this song to be played at the celebration for my dad and uh, so you know that's his ready to roll right now It was New Year's 2000 into 2001, no Y2K to worry about, so the party was going, and I get a call from my sister. Nothing unusual. And uh, one of our favorite little tricks was she would call from, you know, about an hour and 45 minutes 
after we had turned in central time zone mm -hmm. from the previous year. Of course. Quick, turn around, don't go back. So with a party raging and the snow had fallen for about three hours at this point in Nashville, which they have exactly two snow plows, she said, Dad's in the hospital. You need to get out here as quick as you can. They're not sure he'll make it through the night. Out of nowhere. Now, he had had lung difficulties for a while and is all Agent Orange for certain. Right. So, drunk as a skunk, at 1.39 in the morning, we start looking for plane rides out. First one out is at 5.55. Unfortunately, they only have one snowplow at the airport, too. Oh, jeez. So, managed to get to the plane, still just hammered. I'm going incommunicado. I'm just going to get there. I'm not going to make any calls. We'll just see how quick I can get there. They got to get the de-icers out, and I'm sure those were somewhere in McMinnville and they're just not at the airport. So everything's backed up. There's planes in the line forever, yeah. and we're waiting for the de-icing. They finally get the, run the runways cleared, and we're easily 45 minutes late getting out for this quick shot to Denver to get me to San Jose. Yeah. Land in Denver, and as with every trip to Denver I've ever had, I land on Concourse C, and the next flight is Concourse A. So it's that crazy train right. thing. And so I'm doing an OJ. Most people, not not murdering people, but he yeah. did run through airports at one time in our in our zeitgeist. And um, I can see San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, running, 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 running. Miami. The switch to sign. The door is shut. The lady's kind of getting herself organized, and that plane is about to back out. So, I know not to blame this lady. At least at that point, yeah. 20 years ago, I realized screaming at people doesn't get you anything. Right. So I go over the plane, explain my situation. She's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Once it's closed, you can't get on the plane, but we'll get you on the first thing out we can get you on. And she immediately gets to work. When the jetway door opens, the toilets were backing up on the plane. So they had to get somebody on there to deal with that. So that only took about... 20 minutes for him to figure out and I was able to get on that plane and it did not smell of shit which I was fearing so 10.38 a.m. Pacific Standard Time I am in San Jose landing sunny gorgeous no snow and there's my sister waiting for me and she seems pretty calm so he's made it through the night and we drive in and uh, oddly enough it's the same hospital in San Jose that my grandfather died in uh -huh. just kind of randomly so no room at the end, so he's down in the pediatric ward and Cookie Monster and all that's right. in his room, and his oxygen levels are so low. I mean, they talk now like people in their 70s and 60s can't even communicate. His was in his 50s. And right. Like, there's no reason he should even be conscious. Yeah. But there we are, the four of us, chatting, telling silly little stories, having a grand time. And, um, you know, even silly stuff. He always loved cranberry juice or a peanut butter parfait, so we got him those things to enjoy, and they never even got touched. Right. And about about three in the afternoon, I, I don't say this to be mean; it's just a description. One of the one of the ugliest women I've ever seen, just very unattractive, yeah. withered kind of old lady, pulled me out into the hallway, and she said, "You guys aren't talking about what you need to talk about." The old memories are fun, but he's not going to be here for long. And I can help you start that conversation. And so she did, and it got serious. And within a few hours, he's literally calling old friends to tell them goodbye. Mm -hmm. And just these incredible conversations are going on. He called Gretchen, and he told her, I couldn't have picked somebody better for him if I'd picked her myself. Sweet. Just these incredible moments were going on. 
And then um, the district attorney, because he had worked as a family support officer and increased um, deadbeats collections 800% in two years, mm-hmm. which pissed the attorneys off who worked him. They forced him out. Right. But the DA, who had become his friend, suddenly comes through the doorway at like 1030 at night. Yeah. I can't say goodbye to you on the phone, my friend. So it was this incredible swirl. Of course. And um, he struggled all night long. Hey. And just would fade and fade and fade. And we think, this is it, this is it. This is it. Come back. Come back. Come back. <gasps> San Jose kind of sits between two big mountain ranges. Uh-huh. So it was getting light outside. And again, he was kind of struggling and fading. The sun popped over and lit the whole room. So all three of us, my sister, my mom, and I, we all looked to the window to see this incredible sunset, and he picked that moment to slip away. Mm-hmm. And it's like you'd said before, they don't want to leave in front of us. They want mm-hmm. to have that moment to themselves. So then began like the real insanity. And the whole, the, when I walked, when we went into their house three or four hours later, when we finally got done with all the business at the hospital, I swear, have you ever seen Poltergeist where Carol Ann passes through I swear I felt that. I just felt like I could smell the old spice. And right. I'm certain that yeah. could just be my mind. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Um, so much insanity, but decided to have a party. And after he got removed from his office at the uh, the state level, he couldn't find anything to do. So he started driving uh, school buses, little short buses for the special needs kids. Mm-hmm. And, of course, within six months is running the company. So we had a uh, memorial. Military folks from all his entire 24 years in the Army showed up. The crazy bus drivers showed up. There's like 57 buses lined up along the street. And the first major thunderstorm in San Jose in 12 years happened while the party was going on. How old was he? 58. That's a shitty age. Oh, yeah, it's way too early. It's way too early. To me, you know, yeah. I was just starting to get to know him as a man. Yeah, 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 of course. So I really was robbed of that. How old were you? Uh, it was 2030. Yeah. yeah so all that sort of friends. teenage bullshit in the 20s, yeah, know-it-all, uh, asshole. You know, we were really at a point where it was getting great. Yeah. And how many stories I didn't get to hear? Of course. Of course. I mean. Yeah, because mortality in general kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. There's something about this idea that you're here, you get to be attached to people, to things, to experiences, and, uh, you know, like Blood Runner says, right? You know. Tears in the rain? Tears in the rain. It all fades. It all disappears. That in itself is a pretty shitty deal. But the grand opportunity to mix, and I've done more reading about this since Uh your dad passed, just to sort of things I've always liked. Do you remember Duncan telling us the story that, that, that if you had fingers in an aquarium, mm-hmm. from the aquarium, you all look like individuals, mm. but the hands are actually attached? Mm-hmm. And I just was kind of following those guidelines and the whole notion of the universe, like life is the universe trying to experience itself. No, and in fact, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know shit. Nothing. We really don't know shit. But of course, what we do know we care about, yep. you know, the little bit that we do know from birth to death. You know, some people argue, well, that's it. That's all there is to know because that's all there is. Uh, I tend not to we don't go even, We don't route. even, I don't think we even see underneath the first layer of skin of how complex it all is. Yeah, I think like 
I've seen enough weird shit in my life to make me think that it takes more faith to be a hardcore materialist, you know, there's nothing but the material world than it does to not. Because there's, you have to dismiss so much evidence to to stick to that, that it seems a little like you're almost too invested in that worldview that you really badly want to dismiss things even when they probably you shouldn't. I can't imagine living that way either because I know there's so many people like, oh, the lights go out and that's it. Yeah. How can that possibly be? What yeah. looks through your eyes is what I always ask you, you know? Yeah. That's despite all the awesomeness of our brain and everything like that, there's got to be something. So here's the punchline. Sorry. A couple days later, we're going to take my dad. He's been cremated. So I'm driving him in his truck. He's riding shotgun with me. And we're going down to Cambria, which is about three and a half hours south of San Jose. And it has been raining constantly since that thunderstorm. This is back in the olden days when mm-hmm. California would get rain in the in the in the winter. And you pull off at Paso Robles, and that brings you across over to the ocean, and the rain starts lighting up. So it's like my aunts and uncles and all those sort of you know, there's probably about fourteen of us in a little caravan. As we get into Cambria and go over to where we illegally dump his remains, which I won't specify where that is, the rain stopped. The clouds opened up, double rainbows across the mountains behind us Mm -hmm. as we said our goodbyes and took them out and tossed them in the ocean. 20 minutes later, closed back up and rained for three more days. Right. I've gone to the weather radars to see at that moment, and there's no real reason that happened, but it did. Mm-hmm. So these moments you're talking about, where we always say it, when the universe winks at it, yeah, the universe was blinking and flashing a big bright light, right, and yeah. uh, it made it all okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is like you really realize we don't even begin to know what's up. Nope. There's uh, and, and we yeah, worry about silliness so much. But you know, because well we do know about our life is so it's all we know so of course we care it's of course it's a big deal what else do you know what else do you you don't have a 50,000 year perspective you don't have the perspective of some eternal soul which what the fuck even knows what that means yeah you have the perspective of you being born you living your life you being here that's what you care about and so it's it's such a mindfuck because, you know, you have death, you know, the the relationship with mortality and death in this life. And then you have these little glimpses of something that tells you, oh, you think this is the whole story. Way, 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 way. There's so much more to that. But of course, you know, for me, people are asking me, you know, you've had a lot of weird experiences that would be more than enough to make you think, hey, there's more to this. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I had those experiences, so fucking what? I want to know the whole story. (laughs) You know, I'm not enough to have one glimpse here, one glimpse there that make you go, oh, wait, I actually, what does that mean? What does, I want answers. And of course, that's not the way this business works. You don't Mm -hmm. get answers. And it doesn't work that way. Now, I did have, uh, yeah, this period has been, fucking hell you know really terrible in more ways than i can describe you know my dad started being uh he started being sick toward december last year 
you know, have intestinal issues back and forth. And then after two or three months of absolute crap, you know, with the doctor saying, there's no problem, you're fine, everything is great, we don't need to do that exam, it's not needed, eventually symptoms eased up. So kind of making you feel like, oh, maybe they were right. Maybe this is uh, things that can be resolved. And then also COVID hit. So you don't exactly go to the hospital to have more exams and check up in the middle of the pandemic, you know. But then symptoms got worse again. And then they got worse and then they got worse and then they got worse. Now, by the time he did make it to the hospital and they did surgery because he had an intestinal blockage, they figure out, oh, shit, there's a gigantic tumor about six inches diameter or something. Uh, oh, damn, that's a bit of a problem. You know, how did they miss it? Yeah, right. So the, um, I mean, they grow quick, but I don't think not that quick. Yeah, right. And uh, and you know, and so at that point, is like by the time uh, I made it to Italy to visit and hang out with him is uh, the very beginning of September, and I spent a whole month there. Now, when I got there, I mean, I told Savannah, "Is like I'm actually." Kind of, I mean, I've seen, you know, I see him on Zoom and stuff, so I have a visual, but I'm still a little scared about what I'm going to find there because it's at the end, it's whatever bad I imagine is about 100 times worse, mm. you know, it's just, he's always been a super thin guy, you know, really, really thin. He's like 6'1", 6'2", like he would weigh, I don't know, under 45 pounds or something like that, right? That was a standard well, thing. He still seems strapping in a way. Yeah, he but, wasn't. He wasn't like know, a skinny little no, skeleton no, guy. No, no, very, uh, you know, moving, wiry, athletic, but still yep. really thin. And then, and then, of course, by the time I see him, you know, he looked like an Auschwitz survivor. He looks, um, he's, I think he's 110 pounds, Whoa. something like that. I mean, I can wrap my fingers around his arms pretty much, you know, and he's just, fuck, that's heavy, you know, yeah. that's really heavy because he's somebody that you saw, you know, he came to visit me back in October, so I saw him like slightly less than a year previous. Normally I would see him all the time, but of course because COVID and these, we saw each other less. So it's been slightly less than a year previous when he was perfect, and I see him a year later and I see that. Right. And then, you know, he has a hard time walking and he's walking in the house, but with difficulty. And you have to, you know, it's all this really, really heavy shit. Right. And, you know, I spend um, I spend the month there. And one good thing that happens is that he gains 20 pounds which normally that's not something that somebody who's on their deathbed with cancer does. You know, the body decides, fuck this, this is, it's a done deal. What's the point of putting on weight? You don't really gain weight when you are in that situation. So you guys are just having nice meals and yeah. he's able to... and he's getting his weight back, you know, and he's being really careful with his diet, what he can eat, and uh, but he's still gaining. And so I'm like... Okay, that's good. Now, yeah. it's not good that his energy is not going along with the weight. He's not gaining energy at all. Maybe actually energy, maybe actually dipping a little bit. But the 
but the weight gain is there. And so whereas initially they had told him, there's no way we can do chemo or anything because you're too weak, you know, chemo is going to kill you, basically. Oh, by the way, of course, was it's too large to operate. Can't do radio because of the same thing. It's too large. We would have to just burn you up left and right. So the only option is chemo, which is never a particularly great option, but hey. Nope. And by the way, you can't even do that because you are too weak for it, so that would kill you right now. What kind of attitude did I give him when you arrived? Was he pretty much no, accepting or was no, he still No, he was himself? very like, it sucks, it's terrible, but I'm going to come through this, you know? That's awesome by itself. And uh, and so, you know, he does that. So by the time he gained 20 pounds, I go to the new visit with the doctor and they're like, eh, look at that. Okay, I guess we are doing chemo. We'll start in a few days, blah, blah, blah. By that point, you know, I've been gone a month. I left my daughter here for a month. I haven't seen her at a time like this. You know, I also want to be back and take care of her and some stuff. So, and it seems like things are at least stable. So I figure first round of chemo, they say, is going to be really light. So, okay, we're good there. I'll be back for the, before the second. You know, I'll, I'll give it three weeks and I come back, a month and I come back, something like that. Right. And then about five days later, I got the call that... Just his energy was going down and his body was just too weak and his heart gave out, you know. And I was like, holy shit, I did not see that coming. And and it's weird because on one end, you know, if there was no chance, then way better this way. You know, if he was going to be like months and weeks of chemo to feel like crap, to lose a little piece of yourself every day, yep. then by all means, send it quick rather than that shit because that just torture. Yep. I mean, it was torture when I was there in September. I can only imagine what it would have been like once you start chemo and everything goes. Dragging six months of that. Now, of course, if on the other end chemo could have done something and could have reduced it enough to then do a surge. If there was a margin for him to actually leave, then this sucks. Then this sucks beyond belief, you know. And the thing that pissed me off is that, you know, had he been uh, 80, Isabella would have been 21. 80 have lived, I mean, you know, you could always live longer, but fuck, if you haven't done your stuff by the time you're 80, there's an issue. <laughs> It's, uh, and you know, your energy start dipping and all of that, right? His energy before this was just full on, 10,000 projects, lots of ideas, plenty of life to live. So it feels wrong, you know, it feels, it's different when the energy is beginning to go when you're like, okay, there's really not much of a point. That wasn't the case at all. My daughter would spend, you know, she would go on Zoom with him like, two to three times a day, nice. just every morning, playing with him for a long time. And of course, it's not like, you know, she doesn't lose a grandfather. She loses more than that. You know, it's a huge, huge part of her life in a way that, that really fucking sucks for her, you know. So that's the thing I felt like. Had he lasted longer, would have been a different story. Had it, this happened 10 years later, would have been a different story. At 70, that way... I mean, the only thing is if he was already too late, yeah, better this way than the alternative, but it really fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, it's just terrible. The, um, now, spirit of, uh, speaking of uh, universe winking, that's a really weird one happened. Like, really weird. Because, you know, so I go on the plane, immediately hop back, 
I have to help uh, his wife that he had been with with many years now, and she's completely wrecked and cries every day and all of it. And uh, uh, my grandma, his mom, is still alive, yeah, living amazing. in the same house, 96 years old, doesn't even get out of bed anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's that scenario to deal with. It's fucking hell, right? So I arrive, it's terrible. By the way, flying in this period is already surreal because it was like flights are pretty much deserted, especially the international one. The sure. national one is, you know, one seat yes, one seat no kind of thing. But the international one, I had like nine seats to myself. There's nobody. You get out of the plane, there are 20 people. You get into the airport, it's completely deserted. There's wow. nobody in the international terminal. It's really like you go through customs and bags in like five minutes. You're you... actually happy to see someone. Yeah, yeah, seriously. It's <laughs> weird. It's it, it has a kind of Walking Dead vibe to it, you know, where. Sure. So that's weird in itself already. I mean, that, by the way, that, even September, before anything, before I thought this is it or anything, when I arrived in September, you know, I landed and it was, I landed in that kind of an airport and it's the first time ever that he's not there at the airport to see me, right? So already you're feeling like, oh, fuck, this is a different scenario. This is something's changing. Something is going in that direction. But in any case, so I arrived there the second time what had to happen happen and we're there and so we are gonna have this uh you know he was pretty famous in italy he had a lot so there's a fuckload of people who want to come to this event for him a celebration thing that they are doing at the triennale which is this major place in milan where they do art shows and stuff and and the night before, so I'm replying to messages left and right, right? Emails and Facebook messages and this, that, and the other. And that's where something really weird happens. So I'm on Facebook replying to people. And all of a sudden, in my notifications pop up, Franco Bolelli like this post. And I'm like, I go look at what post it is. And it's a post that my mom made saying, uh, Isabella was saying, hey, at the celebration, that's great at all, but don't hug too many people. You know, I don't want you to get COVID, that kind of stuff, right? So this is a post that happened after he died. Not a post that, you know, could have been done uh, a week or two before he clicked like and there's a glitch in the system and it pops up later, right? This is a post-mortem post. I figure, okay, maybe his wife is using his computer. Maybe she made a mistake. He went into his account or... So I walk into the other room. His computer is closed. She's nowhere near it. And I'm like, hey, were you using? And she's like, no, why? Take a look here. And she's like, oh, that's a little weird. And I'm like, yeah. So I go on that post. I click the list of the people who like the post. You know, you get to see everybody and stuff. He's not there. I look at my notifications. It's right there. I refresh the page. He's still not there in the list of people who liked it. He's still there in the notification page. I refresh it three more times. The same thing happens, right? He's right there in my notifications. He's not there in the likes. And then I refresh one more time and it disappears from my notification as well. Like it had never been there at all. I believe every bit of it. And I was like, okay. 
you know because throughout that day you know like and the following days too like she would uh, his wife kept saying like oh that's crazy you know there was this uh, smell like he smelled like that I could smell him wasn't there at all and when I arrived he wasn't there right for 24 hours there was none right. and then he came back but that that one I wasn't sold on because I was like, ah, what the fuck? Maybe we open a closet and somehow it got trapped in there. And or it could all be in your mind something. too, just a moment generate Hard something. too because we all both would smell it at the same time. Right. We would look at each other like, hey, yeah, right now, you know. So that was interesting. But again, maybe it was you move some clothes that have been there. You, who knows? I don't know how the fuck it works, but I can, I could rationalize that one. The Facebook one, if it was a post before he died, okay, maybe. No, it's not. If it was something where somebody even hacked his account, if they click that shows up in my notification, it would also show up on the list of people who like the post. It doesn't. Yep. Do it multiple times, and then it disappears from everything. And I was like, yeah, I'm not explaining this one. This one is entirely on another. And that's not your first experience with technology offering up weirdness at somebody's death. You told me about the photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when my wife died and, uh, you know, six hours after the fact, there was, uh, she smiled. And so I wanted to remember it and take a picture of it. But every time I would lift the camera to my eye, because I was still using a camera, it wasn't a phone, uh, when I looked through it, there was no smile. And when I lowered the camera and I would look at her directly, there was clearly a smile. And if I, when I took the picture, there was no smile. See? But other people, too. Well, it had been lifted a little bit. Right? Yeah. Other people, too, in there, they were like, look at that, she's smiling. I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's like, so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we are just fucking stupid. Maybe death is awesome. Who knows? Well, nobody's reporting back. Nobody's reporting back, but there's clearly <laughs> some waving going on. Yeah. So who the hell knows? Maybe death is amazing and we are just psychotic assholes who worry for decades about something that's like just opening a door into another dimension and it's not all that bad. Or who well, knows? Is it French or Italian where orgasm is the little death? I heard that I before. I don't that must be French yeah. then. Yeah, I heard that before. So the big death must be fantastic. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows, right? But I mean, of course, that made me feel good. Yeah. You know, that gave me a, oh, wait. So maybe this is not the end of the game. Maybe there's, maybe it's the beginning of another game that I'm not private to, that I don't get to see or participate in, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And um, I mean, ultimately, who knows? But it was definitely one of those experiences that make you go, oh, wait, what just happened here? You oh. know, because this is, I went over it in my head. I asked people who are very tech savvy. I had no idea. It just didn't make sense. Well, that makes it all the better. Yeah, of course. You know, and it showed up in the likes. I would have said, okay, somebody hacked his account. I don't know how the hell somebody hacks or his account. Or maybe some sort of first. preset when someone gives this one all yeah. the likes, which I don't know if exists, but, but yeah. somebody could have figured something out. Yeah, this was just weird. And then it disappeared. Like it was never there. And so that 
put things in. Now, that doesn't take away from the... You know, it put me in a good mood. I was happy at the celebration. You know, there were a fuckload of people crying their eyes out. I was totally... I mean, some of it is I was in a good mood because of it. Some of it, I'm sure there's an emotional protection mechanism that kicks in where you don't really feel things right away necessarily or you feel them for you open a window and then it closes quickly. Well, you got shit to take care of in those moments. There's that. There'll be time for that. Sure. And it's coming too. Right. And I think he's, I mean, even Isabella was telling me, it's really weird. It's like, I thought I would be destroyed. I'm not destroyed. But it's like every day is like peeling a layer off an onion. You know, every day I get some. Mm Mm-hmm. But it doesn't come all at once that would just wreck me. It's coming in these thin layers each each time. It's the know? healthier way to deal with it, too. These people that just howl and shriek. I mean, A, is that an act? Or B? Yeah, I don't know. I don't fucking know what the right way is, right? Because ultimately, it's whatever works for you. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I thought when when Elizabeth died, I thought I was handling things well. And then months later, my body was all wrecked and I was, you know, dealing with major psychosomatic things. So clearly I wasn't handling it all that well, you know. Clearly there was, probably there was another way that could have been better. But ultimately you do the best you can, you know. You don't know. You do the best you can. You try not to repress things, but who the hell knows what your subconscious does. And once again, you had major things to deal with at that point. Yeah, of course. You didn't really have a point to have, you know, a month to yourself reflecting. You had way more duties than you ever had sure i always explain it and you've had definitely a a major death in the past too that you don't really get over the pain like it's a constant Uh it doesn't switch or disappear or go away right but much like many things we become used to our new situation right and you just adjust because I don't think it ever goes away. I no. think it's there just like it was the day of. I mean, you miss them no matter what. Exactly. And that's it's... always there. And I don't know. I've had a couple of experiences where I swear I saw him in a crowd. Huh. And I've had a couple of dreams where it really felt like we were going, <laughs> we were going to go fishing. You right. Know? It was like, and then you wake up and very it's vivid. almost like, yeah, yeah, just like complete. But I have super realistic dreams too. Yeah. Thanks to my aphantasia. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, the the whole situation then was heavy. I mean, it had been heavy all the month when he was there, but again, it was heavy tinted with some hope. Yeah. And then afterward, I mean, in some ways weird is actually, I felt way worse, like way worse during the month that I was there holding on to hope yeah. than I did when I went back. Because when I did, when I went back, it's like there's nothing left to take away from you. I mean, no, don't get me wrong, universe, don't get ideas, because there's plenty <laughs> always that can be taken away. Every time you say it couldn't be worse, it's like, yeah. don't worry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It can. Wait till who, Tuesday. Who can arrange that, you know? <laughs> but, but, you know, hope is a bitch, because the problem with hope is that you have this fear, this hope, this thing where you're like constantly straining and praying that it doesn't work. When you have no longer hope, you're like, eh, you know, you're more relaxed in a way. You're more so, whereas the previous month, it was, it was fucking hell. It was really hard in every way. You know, I was constantly, but of course, even afterwards, like the, you ever seen the movie Logan? Oh, yeah. The last one. I love know? Logan. 
Yeah, the vibe. What have you done, Logan? Yeah, the vibe that I've lived in for the past two months is pretty much like the beginning of Logan, where he's there and everything is falling to pieces. He's falling to pieces. The people around him are falling to pieces. You know, it's like I would spend, other than taking care of practical shit for my dad and trying to figure out what to do for his bills and getting his wife moved out of the house and what do we do about my grandma and all of that. I would spend my day, yeah, like, sitting next to my grandma who's uh, has always been sharp but clearly this was a big blow and and she's 96 and she no longer moves she's in bed all day i literally have to pick her up and lift her so that she can eat so that she can eat because otherwise she's flat down and she can't even pick herself up she kind of sees but not that great she kind of hears but not that great but her mind's still with her yeah it's well, even then, it is some moments, and then other moments, she's clearly going in another place because it's like she would start saying things where at one point she had this whole discussion telling me, like, there's this doll that has been looking at me for two days, and I'm like, a doll? And I'm like, a doll or a kid? Or like, what are we talking about? It's like, no, it looks very realistic. It looks like a kid, but... But it can be a kid next to me in bed. That would be weird, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that invisible doll is not weird at all. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. And, is this the uh, the grenade-toting grandma? Uh, no, no other one. That this, that was uh, my mom's mom that you're talking about. This is my father's mom. And, uh, and you know, I would talk to her. She's, like, describing. And at one point, she's almost like, what do you mean, where's the doll? It's right here. Don't you see? And I'm like... I hate to tell you, but no, I don't. I, and she's like, am I seeing things that are not there? Am I going that crazy? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's not rush to conclusions. No. You are seeing things and I'm not seeing them. That doesn't mean they are not there. I have no idea. For all I know, it could be like kids or elders who see stuff. Maybe they are, maybe they are just peeling a layer into another world. I have no clue. Okay, so maybe you are crazy. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're seeing things that are there and I can't see. I have no clue. And so we would have, but you know, these discussions with somebody who's clearly there and not there, going in and out, having this. You know, you look at somebody who, like my grandma, I love my grandma. She's been there my entire life. I spent, I can't even tell you how much time. And you look at, like, there's basically nothing left in the body to break further. It's like everything that could possibly break is done. It's there. It's like one millimeter away from complete decay and death. And so you live in that day in and day out for weeks like I have. That's kind of all I look around. I look in the other room and there's uh, my dad's wife crying like crazy. I look into this room and I can have the crazy conversation with my grandma who can't even move anymore and is seeing things that are not there. And, And those were my days pretty much nonstop every day, right? And so you're like, whew, that gets intense. In the conversations with your grandmother, and I don't know where I saw this. I don't think it was any great film or anything. Uh-huh. But there was a. I think it was the woman who played Carrie. Anyway, um, she was clearly slipping. And in the movie, she would place chess pieces in a window in different. So uh-huh. she was actually slipping through time. Right. 
which may be what she was doing. Could she be. might have been in 1952 or Could something. Could very well be. And it was just this great notion that when you kind of slip, maybe time's not what moves. Right. It's us who moves through it. Sure. Especially when your mind's kind of going. Yeah. So you can spin your way back. And it's just kind of a, a more comforting notion because my grandmother had the same thing. Right. And to everybody's... Um, Everybody's pissed because pretty much I was the only one that she would always recognize. Right. Even all the way to the end. Yeah. She wouldn't know, and she'd be like, oh, Sarah just came here. Right. That was a month ago. Or, yeah. Or yeah, there's that. The people who weren't there. Oh, man, every night. In fact, it's funny because there was this shift, like moments completely lucid. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And then other moments, she's like, at night, I, every night, she started taking off her bed sheets. And I'm like, what are we doing here? She's like, so that you can take me upstairs to my room to bed. I'm like, we're in an apartment. There is no upstairs. There's never been an upstairs. You never had a separate room. And where do you think you are? You are in your bed right now. And she's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, and so you have this discussion. And you're trying she not to be- Two centuries be, forward or two centuries backwards. You're not, you're <laughs> trying to be as delicate as humanly possible sure. and definitely not frustrated because what's there to be frustrated about is just they are in a different reality. But is is definitely trippy. And, but even a few weeks ago, I remember I had a talk with her because I was like, dude, you're not enjoying your life. There's nothing left to win. This was before my dad died, so I can only imagine now. But like, there's nothing to enjoy here in your life. It's, it sucks. Let's look at it. It sucks. You are not happy. Nobody else is happy. What are we doing? You know, it's like, do you want me to just we have a big party, we see your sister who's 88 and, you know, she comes over, we eat good food and then I drive you up to Switzerland where it's legal, we give you a nice injection and off you go with no pain. Because it's not going to get better from here, you know, it's not like... It's just going to be harder it's every gonna, day. Every day is, you're going to lose a little more of yourself. It's yeah. going to suck progressively more. So should we just... And she was like, kind of like she never even entertained the thought. And I'm like, wait, do you never think about death? And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, dude, you're 96. You're more dead than alive. What the <laughs> fuck? I think about it all the time. How is that even possible that you don't? You're like, no, it's just nothing I ever... Like with my grandpa, when he was alive, did you guys ever talk about it? Like, no. I was like, okay, I don't know what even how to relate here. I, uh, what the fuck? How is that even possible, you know? I don't know. Turning 50 is the most freeing thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Because I was worried all the way up to the borderline. Of course. Because I didn't want to be 49 in 362 days. That yeah. would just suck. Yeah. But after that, it's like, well, by God, whoever thought he was going to make it when he was 22? Right. Nobody. Right. <laughs> and oh, it's it, it was a relief in a weird way. And anything forward, I you know, it's all gravy anyway. But I guess. And I don't want to be gone tomorrow. No, exactly. But I don't want to be 87... Yeah, in, his, in her in case, I mean, up until probably 1992, she had a good life. Sharp. Oh, she's been that way for 20 years. No, like now she's 96. I'm saying 1992. Oh, like oh. So up until four or five years ago, she was good. She was good. She had a good life. She was walking around. She was still seeing her friends. She, As good as it gets. Yeah. And then progressively over the last 40 years, it got progressively worse, right? So first you don't walk outside. Then you start not walking in the house. Then you are in a wheelchair in the house. Then you can't even get out of a wheelchair. Then you have to... Like one day, actually, I put her in a wheelchair while I was there. 
And uh, she's looking at me and goes like, I don't feel so good. And she basically bent, like just flattened out in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. Just going like head down to her knees kind of thing. And I think she had a minor ischemic attack, right? Which at that point doesn't even fucking matter. You know, it's like every moment I kept going into the room saying, is she still breathing after I put her in bed? And it was weird. Like I didn't even feel guilty, but every time I actually would see the chest rise, I would go like, fuck, she's still here. Not because, again, not because I want her gone in that sense, but because this is shit from here on every step of the way. So I was hoping that she could go in the least painful way possible, you know? Oh. So, I mean, I would even joke with her. I would say, hey, if you don't want to drive to Switzerland, I'll just come in the night with a pillow and we can do it that way. You don't even have to get out of bed, you know? It's like... You know, if there's one thing you can count on me on, and I don't know if it's a very good thing that you can count on me on, but you can count on, like, horrendously dark humor and the most awful situations will always show up. But, like, but she didn't. So I'm like, okay, that's, you know, it's your life. You choose what you want. If you don't want to go that way and you want to stick around until you breathe no more, by all means, we'll do whatever it is that you want, and that's fine, you know. Difficult for me to understand. You know, I find the Swiss way very civilized. Like, when your life is going to shit, just have a big party. Do it peacefully in a way that doesn't hurt and check out that way. Now, of course, it's easier to say when you have energy or when, you know, the specter of that is not on your shoulder. Maybe fear kicks into a level that you are holding on against all logic to stuff. But she seems pretty comfortable with it, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see Midsommar? No. What's that? These kids get invited up into this Scandinavian country for some insane um, summer solstice party. Yeah. And the weirdness goes on and on. And at one point, it's Old Folks Day. So everybody 70 and above gets taken up to the tall cliff to jump off and land on a big hard rock. Whoa. And one fella misses and only catches half the rock oh <laughs> they've got a solution for that as well but we'll just leave it but it was quite the solution for keeping the uh, population young and spry. when was that when was the movie or what was the age oh that was a, on a movie yeah, yeah, i yeah. thought it was based on a real thing oh, it probably was who knows right <laughs> yeah yeah i find i mean again who knows maybe who when knows? you're there you want to hold on no matter what and that's fine too you know it's like i last thing i have is judgment about these things is like it's a big fucking deal, and everybody should be free to do what they want with it. Totally. You know? But it's... Um, I would request one, younger people give themselves a day before they do anything crazy, though. Yeah, I mean, that's my policy on people who want to check out. I'm always like, dude, I, I don't, I'm not in your shoes. I don't fucking know, you know. You may have every good reason in the universe to want to check out, and yep. maybe it's not a bad solution. But can you do me a favor? Since it's a rather permanent solution to what may or may not be a temporary problem. Yep. How about we give it six months? That's even better. You know, take six months. Six months go by quick. If you still feel that way in six months, okay, fine. But, you know, just do that. And it doesn't feel, you know, when you're trying to convince people that they should leave, they are they get even more invested in wanting to check out. It's like, you don't understand about it. It's like, no, 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 maybe. Of course I don't understand. I'm not you, but Hey, you probably have every reason in the world. Yep. But just give it a tiny bit. That's all. You know, if you still feel that way in a bit, okay, then, you know, it's not my choice anyway, but at least make me happy. Do me a favor. Just hang on for a little bit. 
and then see if you still feel that way in a few weeks. And uh, But in my grandma's case, I really don't see the point. But again, it's her life, so she needs to do what she wants. And But being in that environment, you know, spending the day having this discussion with somebody who's basically lost everything there is to lose. She has lost pretty much everything about her own body. She lost her son now. She lost, you know, it's like... Did she have other kids? No, only kid. So super smack right lost, there. Lost uh, everyone in her family except one sister, and she had plenty of siblings. Lost uh, her husband. Lost, you know, it's like right now the situation is that my father's wife is willing to kind of take care of her for as long as she sticks around, and hopefully it's not too long. But I'm like, dude, that's not a life. But again, you know. But yeah, that was uh, that was my last couple of months, basically. That's what they have been spent doing nonstop. So, so dealing with Italian bureaucracy over oh, and uh, his bank account, which by the way, my dad never had any money, so it's not that there was anything to gain. But there's still you need to do this thing. You need to close the bank account. You need to do this. You need to. There was uh, for it, basically you're going to spend a fuckload of time dealing with bureaucracy to lose a bunch of money in the process because you're going to have to pay fees and they definitely don't get anything back. Nice. And uh, <laughs> But you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was the fun part. That was the part that would take my mind away from uh, my crazy grandma and grief and death and... Standing online. Awful sma- yeah. I was like, okay, we went through this too, you know. Is um, I don't know some stuff, some of the stuff that I got to think about. I guess on a different note is um, I've been thinking a little bit about kind of growing up with my father and stuff I learned from him and so on and so forth. And it's interesting because he clearly has always been a very peculiar individual. You know, in some way I look at my grandma and my grandfather and. Even though they are his parents, they almost had nothing to do with how it turned out. He looked like he was born out of a rock, pretty much, because, <laughs> and in some way, amazing that he was able to create himself into what he became. In some ways, funny because you realize some stuff that he never knew how to do. Like, he's the least practical person ever when it comes to a lot of things. I mean, if he has to change a light bulb, he's like, has to think about it three times, kind of thing. And then I realized nobody ever showed him any of these things. You know, the kind of basic, you know, how to handle money, how to do this, how to do practical. There are so many things. What that, did his father do? Uh, work in, I forget, some office in a chemical company, but it was an office job. You right. know, it was some kind of. So uh, he wasn't showing them how to fix the garbage disposal. No, and they were all like nice. Oh, yeah. But a different universe, you know, and he felt always alienated and. And one of the things he ended up doing is that because he was really talented in some ways, he ended up developing some side of him, but he never wanted to learn shit because he was like, he would spend time doing the stuff he was good at. He never really sat down to learn stuff that he wasn't good at because nobody ever took him through the process of this is how you learn things. This, yeah, it sucks. Yes, you're supposed to be goofy. Yeah, you're not going to know things. Yeah, you're going to make 22 mistakes. But it is how you learn. It's like, that's just not something. And it, for me too, I realized a lot of that stuff I learned with martial arts. I didn't learn because somebody took me through that process because he didn't know either, you know. 
this is an interesting one. It shows you how, no matter how well-intended, sweet, and amazing you may be as a parent, you're still going to fuck up. Oh, of course. And some of the... So I give you a couple of examples that I realize are things that I clearly took the wrong way. They weren't meant in the wrong way, but they affected me in a... Like one thing that my dad always did, and he did it with himself too, not just with me, but he had a complete denial. He was a master of denial, you know, just complete denial of the unpleasant parts of life. Uh, he would just be like, nope, I don't give you the power over me. I'm going to pretend you don't exist. <laughs> and somehow he was able to pull that off for himself. For me... Seeing that happen, you know, if I would bring up, oh, man, I'm struggling with this, I'm suffering about this, this is hurting me, he would be like, what are you letting that struggle? What's that? No, you're great, you're wonderful, that shouldn't even bother you. And I'm like, that's sweet, it still bothers me. Not fixing it. And that's (laughs) not fixing it at all. And if anything, the more you're telling me that it's nothing to stress about, the more now I'm invested into demonstrating to you how bad it really is. So now my ma- if you had told me, yeah, it sucks, but here is how we got out of it. I'm sorry you're going through it. This That sucks. I feel you. Now that we said that, let's take the steps necessary to get out. That would have been okay. But the fact that you're denying that I even feel that, that that's something, then I'm super invested. And I realize there's a part of me that's very negative, that's very pessimistic. They very much put the accent on all the shit that doesn't work. And I know exactly where it comes from. <laughs> you know, it's exactly a reaction to this uh, hyper optimism and denial of negative sides of life. And, but then again, you know, he's, he was doing it because it worked for him and he thought it would work for me. Yeah. Of and course, it's all it you doesn't. Know. I mean, when do you ever trying to give your children bad advice no ex- or check this one out this one drives me crazy because it's the nicest thing one can do for their kids always making me feel super loved that part there's no downside to that but there's the you are amazing you are great you are phenomenal you are this you are that that's sweet it helps with self esteem it helps with feeling like you're worth something you know it's certainly better than the alternative when you have parents who never praise you in any way or worse yet who just talk shit to you saying how bad you are clearly a hundred miles ahead of that however stuff goes wrong well the thing also he would never blame me or like if i didn't if i thought i didn't live up to the hype he would never blame me he would be like no no you're great you're this so complete support right but in my mind I realize now, because lately a few people have told me, like when I was talking about things, a few people have told me, man, you're really harsh on yourself, you know, when you talk about yourself. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I always like myself. I'm very, I flex in front of the mirror and think I'm (laughs) awesome. I pat myself on the back a lot. And then I realize, yes, I do do that. That's true. But there is another side where I can be pretty harsh on myself. And specifically, I realize that there's a part of me that believes that if I don't create world peace, uh, solve, uh, you know, cure all diseases, uh, uh, solve global warming. You're letting this all down, man. Why isn't this fixed already? Yes, because to (laughs) me, it's like I wasn't told that was good. Good is good. I can be with good and not achieve that. I've been told I'm the greatest shit on earth. So if that's the case, 
well, I better deliver accordingly. If I deliver good or even great, yeah, great is bullshit. This is not, I need to be, unless I'm Buddha 10.0, <laughs> then I'm clearly a complete failure. Wow. You know? Yeah, so, you never think about the pressure you put on him when you're like, but again, it's a pressure not on results because he did not have the Asian mom, what, you got an A, you should have gotten an A-plus thing. Far from it, right? But I put two and two together. You know, if you are telling me that I'm this amazing thing, that you are so much this, that, and the other, it's like, well, then the results should match the hype. <laughs> if the results fall short of the hype, and again, the results, unless I solve every single problem in the world tomorrow... I think the results have fallen short of the hype, then you're a failure. Not that he said it, I say it. You know, I add that in. It's <laughs> like, and and I mean, I know it's ridiculous. I say it to you and I hear myself talking that it's obviously ridiculous. But there's a part of me that's not so convinced that it's ridiculous. It's convinced that, no, it's the real deal. And yeah, man, you suck. You failed. Uh, look at what you have done with your life. Oh, yeah, that was good. Clap, clap, clap. What? What is good? Good is crap. Any... I don't see any Nobel Prizes. Yeah, <laughs> like at least 32 of them. Yes, you know, well, by you... now. Shit. Yeah, so it's... That's the reverse of turning 50. You look like, oh. So it's, that's there's a creepy a, one. There's a list. Because that is the... You're giving somebody tools that theoretically should be for self-esteem, and you do it with nothing but love. And it still backfires. Yeah. That's when you know that as a parent you're fucked, because basically everything you do... And this is assuming you do all the stuff right, not that you do terrible things or you're an asshole. Assuming that you're a very nice, sweet parent who gave nothing but love, you're probably still going to do things that create issues for your kids. You unintentionally, know? for certain. Completely unintentionally. Have you, are you familiar with Neil Gaiman at all? Yeah. He has a book. It's a kid's book, but it's called The Graveyard Book. Uh-huh. And it's so about cheerful. nobody Jones who's raised by ghosts, okay. hiding him from the killer that killed his parents. Jesus. And uh, Neil Gaiman started that book when his kids were like two or three. Mm -hmm. He could just never figure it, never get it right, never. Yeah. When his son grew up and he'd done a good job and he moved away, proving that if you do parenting correctly, they're just going to leave you. Right. He was able to figure out the book. Okay, okay, And the okay. book is just crushing at the end for kids i don't think they'll get it at all but right. it's a light great read but that final moment when everything is resolved it's like oh my god i need to check it out it's grand i love his stuff but oddly enough his little sort of mid teenager book is my favorite one right it's just so it was heavy sound like it yeah and fits right into all the things we've been discussing yeah i wonder um what's starship about What's his take on that, and will it ever be translated? Cause, well, I guess so. Since I've been it seems very popular. Yeah, since I've been bitching about stuff and I'm saying all the stuff that I learned, like the problems in the upbringing, there's also, and I'm going to get to exactly what you said, there's also stuff that I learned from him, a lot of it, which is what I use every day that makes me who I am in a very positive kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like one thing, for example, that I've noticed, um, like not too long ago, a month, two ago, I forgot, I released an episode of History on Fire that involves like five other history podcasters, everybody doing a quick section and stuff. And I realized when we put it out, I realized, you know, nobody's done that in history podcasting, period. And I thought, why does it feel so natural to me to do something like that? And I'm like, oh, that's what my dad has always done. 
he has always organized uh, events where he picks people from completely different, in his case, he would pick people from different fields and put them together in one big event that's a collection of uh, music and poetry and design and whatever the fuck, and sports and these different fields, bringing people together in this thing and people that would never really work with each other otherwise. And the only reason why it would happen is because he would will it into, you know, he would have a personal relationship with one person and bring them along, have a personal relationship with another person and bring them along, and kind of bring everybody at the table where they would always be shocked by how good it felt when there was this exchange between different people working on a common project. Real life synergy happened. Yeah, absolutely. Master at that, done that a million times. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why at the event for him, there were people coming from all kinds of walks of life and each one met him for one reason and they were all kind of... And I realized, yeah, I grew up around that. Of course, it's natural to me. It's how he was all the time, right? His ability to mix different fields together has always been his thing. Uh, writing. Learned how to write from him. You know, I would... I uh, hated him. You know, because he would just sometimes, you know, when you're writing, it's so personal and have that critique of like, ah, that sentence that you're opening with is bland and boring. <laughs> and you're like, what? Oh, no. And But then you realize, you know what? He's got a point. It is bland and boring. Let me go back. And so going back to working on writing was certainly his thing, right? Public speaking. I can pretty much speak in my sleep about whatever topic you give me, right? You put a mic in front of me, I'll roll. It's not except many, many people don't have that and straight from him, right? I mean, in terms of public speaking, half of the time I had no idea what he was talking about in terms of content, but in terms of ability to speak in public, holy shit, I don't think I've seen too many people deliver better speeches than him, you know, where he's just, everything flows and he makes it. So that was another thing that I picked up along the way. Um, refusal to sell out. You know, he very much lived this life in his terms, which is why now the bank account is completely empty only with some <laughs> debts in it, right? But at the same time, yeah, it stressed me out as a kid not knowing where the rent money would come in. And he would be all relaxed and I'd be like, what the fuck are we talking about? We're already... Work it out. And he would always <laughs> manage to float along and get by by this much and definitely not my attitude about money, but still... I admire the fact that he would be able to, um, he has never really done jobs he didn't want to do, you know. He always lived cheaply, but he always lived fine and only doing stuff he wanted, which is so many people would come to him whining and crying about how hard their life was and their bank accounts were fat as hell and they had plenty of money. And so it's like, that's a choice, man. You chose that life. You could have no money like he does and do what you want, but, you know, you need to... Not so many trips to the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was impressed with that, with that ability to... was wasn't common at all to see that, that willingness to just live on his own terms, make it work, because he did make it work, but clearly far from luxury, you know? Or... Other, well, of course, I learned how to play basketball for me. I learned uh, one thing that I love probably the most is um, always insanely polite 
and very kind to the people he would interact with, which was weird because he was a judgmental bastard in a lot of ways. You know, he could spot a flow 10 miles away, <laughs> but somehow that was for you know, maybe a moment of private conversation or thinking about it. But in terms of dealing with somebody, it's like, hey, man, yeah, we all have our shit. And so then he would treat people super nice. He would pay attention to them like they are the most important person on earth when they were in front of him, which was something that people felt, that people responded to, that people made people happy, that made people love him. And that's why I saw at the celebration there were a bunch of people who were super attached to him probably way more than he was to them but because he treated them in a way that when they were there he would treat them super well and give them a certain level of respect and importance so they never had any idea that he felt that way didn't feel that way about them. well i mean it's not fine a, for them to go along with it's not a faking like he thinks oh you suck and i'm just gonna no treat. i don't mean it that way at all but you know it's like when you're you are here up and yeah those moments send them into the world in a better way, Yeah, you're improving things all around you. Yeah, it was probably more important to them than it was to him that moment, but yeah. he would treat it like it was a super important moment and make them feel that way, which Boy, is... couldn't we all do that some more? That doesn't suck, right? That's kind of my... Improve uh, everything. Right? It's just being... Savannah always remarks it. It's like, man, when you interact with... Not people I know. People you run into at the bank or at the store or at something is like... Her thing is you're not just polite because polite can be bullshit. You know, you're just going through the motion. You are you are warm polite. You're like really trying to be extra nice to people you don't know and you'll never meet again. And or I'm en- like, yeah, engaging with them like you do know them a little bit. Yeah, and I'm like, I try to do the same thing. How else should you be? That makes no way else. Every oh, just shitty and terrible. Everybody? No, exactly. That yeah. makes everybody life. If I can. Like, man, life is hard enough. If I can make your day 0.1% better just by doing what? It doesn't cost me anything. It nope. just, why not, you know? Be pleasant to the lady checking your groceries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give her a just thank you for what you're doing. Totally. And that's not hard. No, not hard at all. And, and it's not fake either. No. That's, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not polite. Polite, you can be polite Bless because your you're... Heart. Yeah, but it's bullshit. Yeah. No, you add a little warm to it. You add a little warm that is like, yeah, man, I really wish your life would be... You know, I really wish your day is going to turn out good. You don't say it that way, but, you know, the vibe behind it is that. It's like, yep. yeah, of course I mean it. You know, of course I want that that way. It would be... No wonder we get along so well. So that helps, right? Because <laughs> that's helps. a huge it helps thing. world. You know? So I... I like that, you know, passion for music. You know, there was always music in my house. I knew that big ship song, but I had not heard it in 40 years. Yep, yep. And did you read any of the the people's thoughts on that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the welcoming song to the world. You got to hear it. It's a great, it's a Brian Eno song. My dad worked with Brian Eno a few times. Oh, my God. He invited him. There's another thing. He held his event, brought him to Italy, did this thing with Eno back in the 80s, I guess. I remember meeting Eno. And is um, and as he would go through phases. He would listen to some things obsessively for a few years and then kind of fade away. Uh, Eno has always been there. Uh, is something that he was listening to even in the last few weeks when I was there. Um, and he was back from the 70s, 80s. So it's been, man, that was a hard thing to do is like go through his vinyl collection, which is, I haven't listened to a vinyl in like 50 million years and give it all away. That's hard. That's hard. Because it was. You a turntable. Uh, 
But at the same time, it was one of the things where it's like, what am I going to do? I'm already bringing, trying to ship to US boxes of stuff where I don't have room anywhere for things. What am I going to get? Like thousand vinyls that I'll, I don't, I was like, forget it. You know, at one point you need to be able to like go to and just say that's the past and, and give it away to somebody who's happy and that's it, you know. But yeah, music was always there, you know. Things that were not his, but I grew up with, like history. Like I was, I'll show them to you later. These history books where it's like for kids. The, ones the, the Inca, the Aztecs, yeah, yeah. the thing. And, Sitting and, there waiting for you. And look at what time. I do now, right? It's like it's exactly history on fire. Just 40 years later, you can see it coming a mile away based on the kind of stuff I was reading back then. With a few more swear words. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just a few. Uh, so, you know, all these different... Um, and more of all, for me personally, just an insane level of showing love through words and actions, hundred times a day, hundred times an hour. Forget it. It's like with Isabella. It's like I would see him play with Isabella, and all day long he would play with a stamina that I can't even begin to imagine because I don't have it. That part I don't have, but the part that I do have and that I do did pick up from him is the fact of people in your life that you love letting them know both through action and words a lot like a lot a lot a lot to um you know people sometimes get shy about voicing emotions like that i'm like no man i should let you know i mean you know you don't want to become a broken record but i would rather be a little more of a broken record and not do it enough you know than not uh I, I just prefer people that show it more than they just. There's some, there's some folks in this world that's like everybody. I love you. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. You. I mean, yeah. I if it's you. if it's mechanic, yeah, it, it can be mechanic. It, 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 I don't care if you say a hundred times a day. You have to mean it a hundred times a day. So there has to be that energy behind it. You yeah. know, if it's just like, love you, sweetie, and you know, it's like just don't even say it. You know, that just like it's bullshit. But if you let them feel it, I like that it's the antidote against cynicism is the antidote against uh, you know taking things for granted is the antidote against all the bad things that happen usually between people who love each other and kind of let it fade away that way to me it's like if it's a fire you got to feed it you need to add that wood to the fire on a regular basis and appreciation is never a bad thing letting people know that they are appreciated and loved is never a bad thing so that's a huge one that uh master at it you know let me know that way in every day in so many ways all his life you know so um, those are those are powerful ones if your dad was going to do a ted talk what do you think it would have been who knows he, he's so all over yeah i mean uh, i always found this stuff very some of his ideas like very I would have a hard time putting my finger on it sometime. Like, I understand the energy behind them, and they are very... It's really about vitality. It's just this energy that he would have, this vital energy, this creative energy, this desire to... But then how it manifests itself as far as what's the body that encases that thing, it would change all the time. That would vary. So, yeah, when you ask about, you know, Starship, that was one of the projects that he did, a cooperative project with a bunch of different people that involved in... He did a million of those, Frontier. He did a bunch of these things that were a blast and were always him putting these events and people together in ways that none of them did on their own, you know. So 
I need to actually go through his work now and find somebody. I went to this um, bar cafeteria in Milan where the guy was like, hey man, dig out, dig up your favorite sentence from your dad and I'm going to have it carved in one of the tables here oh, that cool. we have at the place. And sweet, so I need to do that. I need to dig through his work and find some of the highlights. Now it should be sweet. I look forward to it. Yeah. I think that's plenty for the people. Cool, my man. Brianino. Um, Coming right up. The big ship. This is, you know, I, I actually printed this out because I read through a bunch of the, of the thoughts on it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people think it's almost the spirit of being a human somehow in there. And one person calls it a farewell song. Mm -hmm. but, but he wrote this. And as you come into this world, something else is also born. You begin your life and it begins a journey towards you. It moves slowly, but it never stops. Wherever you go, whatever path you take, it will follow, never faster, never slower, always coming. You will run, it will walk. You will rest, it will not. One day, you will linger in the same place too long. You will sit too still or sleep too deep. And when, too late, you rise to go, you will notice a second shadow next to yours, and your life will be over then. That was in the YouTube section? Yeah. Wow. Usually YouTube sections are like, fuck you and I, this is a considerable... There's, a, there's two. There's a, there's a longer version that somebody did a remix that kind of doubles it because a yeah. lot of people said it's just too short. Yeah, it is short. So in the longer one, lots of thoughts like that. Right. You know? That's awesome. The background music for your life. Sweet. And here it comes.
Uh, well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another completely excellent episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Man, thank you for sharing so much. I know it's got to be a tough moment, but yeah, I, these kind of the episodes are the ones that help people the most. There's no question about it. I hope so. I definitely hope. You know, it's like... We all grow. There's no exception. Everybody's going to go through a lot of hard, heavy shit in life. You know, you can... Some people are a little luckier. Some people are a little less lucky. Some people happen sooner. Some people later. But ultimately, there's no escaping the game. Everybody gets kicked in the balls really hard by life. Everybody gets to be introduced on a very first-name basis with suffering and heartbreak. It's the game. So I think everybody to one degree or another can relate and if anybody can take something from it wonderful have a good week guys we'll see you soon sweet d-b-o-l-e-l-l-i r-i-c-h-i-m-o-n and the numeral one And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, it's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. I'm 50 now. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> I was melancholy about it for like a good month. Like, uh. But I think I was more worried about dying at 49. <laughs> <laughs> so making it to 50. Making it to 50 is like, fuck it. I think Louis C.K. may be a monster, but he had a great line. No one, there's no candlelight vigils for somebody over 50. <laughs> he had his chance. Wow!